say you like the wind blowing through your hair. Come on, roll with me till the sun goes down. Texas sun. Say you wanna hit the highway while the engine roars. Well, come on, roll with me till the sun goes down. Hello and welcome to episode 225 of section 138. I'm your host Mark Colley as always joined by Bryson and Jacob. The Blue Jays take two of three from the Chicago Cubs. A little bit of a bounce back after a rough series against the Los Angeles Angels but certainly still lots to pick up on. Bryson, Jacob, how are you guys? Doing all right. Uh, yeah, you're right. It definitely was a better series um, in terms of results. And, of course, still some issues remain in terms of this current cold spell, if you want to call it. But definitely winning 2 out of 3 was something that was good as much as they couldn't complete the sweep. I think, you know, when you scoreboard watch, you see other teams like the Seattle Mariners, like the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, sweeping as of now. So, you know, the Jays, I believe, are now two games back of both of them for third in the wild card race. So, they're hanging in there with them, and of course, at the same time, they're also keeping their distance from the Orioles for a couple games. So definitely a better series, obviously, compared to what we saw uh, previously, and I think maybe it's something to build off of now for the, the month of September. Yeah, and it's it's definitely one. With the Cubs, you're now going on the road. You're finishing out that homestand. You need to take at least two out of three, and I think I said two out of three was the minimum, but it's it, it, overall, it was a good series. Not the greatest third game, although there were positives, so it's not like it was a total loss, even though they technically lost, but it's looking good. Now we have September, the final month of the season, where they're going to spend like half of it on the road, but I think it's this is what the team needed, at least to just, I mean, ideally you win that last game, but take two out of three, gain a little bit of momentum, and now have a few interleague matchups, and let's try to get this uh, wildcard race wrapped up. Yeah, I'm a little bit conflicted about how to feel about this series. Like, on the one hand... I, coming into this series, predicted one of three for the Jays because I was expecting kind of a longer losing spell that we've seen them go through over the course of the season. Normally, it isn't one losing series and then they're right back on the horse. Normally, it's a longer spell of losing series, getting swept in series. It's a stretch of nine to ten games where they're really, really struggling and um, on the one hand, it's great that it wasn't a longer stretch. It's phenomenal that the Jays were... Yes, inconsistent, but still able to bounce back a little bit from the Los Angeles series, get a little bit of momentum before they head out on the road against Pittsburgh. So in that respect, I'm happy with this series, but in the respect that the Jays didn't sweep the Cubs, who are 20 games below 500, that's where the kind of unease comes in. And yeah, like I... In a normal situation, I would never expect the Jays to sweep every series. Like I think you look at the best teams in baseball, you want to talk about how to become a playoff team. And the answer is you win every series, whether it's two to three, whether it's three to four, whether it's, you know, splitting a two game series, like that's how you make the playoffs. That's how you're a best team. You win two out of every three games. So in a normal situation, I wouldn't be upset with the Jays winning two out of three instead of sweeping. But we're talking about a team that is inconsistent and has no level of consistency across the season so when they're hot they need to be really hot to make up for the cold spells and that's where this other part comes in where if the Blue Jays hope to make up for their losses if they hope to make up for that sweep against Los Angeles that nine and one and nine stretch in Oakland and Seattle if they hope to make up for these games they need to go on hot stretches and they need to do it soon and fast so that's a part of this that I'm not happy about if you're going to run super cold, you also got to run super hot and the Jays had the opportunity to sweep. They didn't. Um, So I'm conflicted about this series. I'm interested in hearing your guys' thoughts. You do bring up an excellent point. I mean, like overall the record 70 and 58, I think it is, if I am correct there, it's a good record. Like you are over 500 or 70 and 59 actually. So you're over 500, you're in a playoff spot, you're a good team, but it's not really like the numbers are a little bit deceiving. Like you're either a really, really good team or you're a really bad team. So it's almost like two polar opposites leading to just 
you know, a little bit of a sway to the the better end of it. But in terms of, I think this last month of the season, like you, we're running out of games here. And we talked about this last time. The Blue Jays are not at that point now where you can really go and go on any type of extended stretch. Like you pretty much need to win almost every series for the rest of the way. Like you're only two games uh, behind the, the, the first two teams in the wildcard race. There's a very good chance that it could stay like that for the rest of the of the month or the rest of the season, really, at this point. And a series like this, it's I think in general, you need to take this as a as a positive. Ideally, you get that third win, you complete the sweep. But realistically, you're not going to sweep like no team go or not going to sweep all the time. And you're not going to win every single game as long as you're able to string together wins. And even if you are losing you're able to have things that do end up looking good, like having Biggio and Alejandro Kirk hitting home runs in that third game. Still, things were good in that game. They just didn't end up winning. And you can say, okay, well, technically we lost, but there are things that we can use in our next game. And now, you know, the Cubs, uh, who they also played last in the Angels. So the Angels series was an absolute mess. Cubs series, a lot better. You're now going against the Pirates, who, again, not a good team. The Orioles, who are a playoff team, or on the cusp of being a playoff team. They're in the hunt for it. You need to now take advantage of these games. And unfortunately, you do kind of have to to make up for all those losses. And it's not ideal saying we need to win because we are, we need to win extra now because we've been so inconsistent all season. But it it's kind of exactly what needs to happen. And I think if you're able to take two of three for the rest of the season or at least win every series or split every series that you don't want to lose or get swept. If you're able to do that, then I, th- I think that's what they need to get in the playoffs. And we've seen this pretty much all around sports. Once you get in, it's not, it's, you're not on equal playing field. Like if you're the last seed and you're, you're playing the first seed, obviously there's a difference in play, but I think the blue Jays are any team or are the team that, if you get in the playoffs and you get hot at the right time, they could easily, and I'm, I'm a little bit biased here as a fan, but you easily could go on an extended run in that in the playoffs and, and you could beat any team. But in order to get the, to that, you kind of, you need to take every series like you took this series, at least win the series. If you're going to lose, which is going to happen, I'm not saying they're going to finish the series, the season with 59 wins. Like you're going to lose a little bit more, but you need to just go out and be competitive every single game, and overall they did that, and even there were some some moments in the LA series where they were in it to some extent, but, you know, that was, we're just going to throw that one away, but I think overall, it like, right now they're going on a 10-game road, uh, road trip, almost forgot the words there, but they're now going on the road, they have some time to at least make up some ground, have some easier teams, I know we said that, but right now what you need to do is you need to just go out and be competitive enough to to win every series, and especially if it's a bad team, because it, it's a sort of a coin flip when you have two good teams. But right now, you're looking at guys like Ross Stripling, starting that first game. He's gonna need to be he's gonna need to be critical as uh, in that first game. You know, you can't have games that you're throwing away. I don't necessarily think that they're going to do that anymore, but it's. If this up and down season were to end on a certain note, I think it, it needs to end on a high note because right now you're not in that, you don't have that leverage to say we've been kind of up and down all season. You We now need to win in order to, to not only make up those games, but keep pace with these other teams who haven't necessarily been like that. Yeah, um, definitely things still are far from perfect uh, after this series, of course. And the, the problem has been, of course, with the inconsistent play and the part of the reason for that as well is you know, in a way, playing down your opponent. We saw that with the Angels. You still kind of saw flashes of it with the Cubs. And again, it gets a little bit, you know, I don't know if you want to use the word stressful, but it just, it catches your attention, obviously, now with the scoreboard watching too. And I, you know, I talk about the teams, of course, or I did earlier about the teams ahead. Um, I think, you know, the one thing too about, you know, a team behind them like Baltimore in terms of who is just on the cusp of getting in, who are currently two games back, I think... One of the deciding factors for both this team and the Orioles is how much both of these guys play each other the rest of the way. You know, the Jays beating the Orioles an X amount of times 
could potentially ruin or ruin their playoff hopes and potentially secure their spot. And it can also go the other way. So the fact that, you know, just I know a lot of people have been saying this, but the fact that you're looking back at this in April and kind of, you know, getting very excited seeing all the Orioles matchups late in the season to now how this could be a very important part for the Jays in particular, getting or securing a playoff spot just against all those um games against the Baltimore Orioles so you have that going on uh the Orioles continue to also you know play good baseball they just recently played the Cleveland Guardians and the Jays Jacob you pretty much recapped good parts of the series of course and obviously the bad parts as well that came with the series is that you had good moments and you still had some bad moments even though it did work out really well I think the fact that they won first of all with the red jerseys uh, on game one with Jose Brios pitching that was definitely an exciting game, and it feels like you know a team who is struggling, kind of winning in a walk-up type of fashion may be the way to go in terms of how you're going to win the game. So that was very good to see in terms of how they pretty much rallied at the end of the game because just for the first uh, seven innings, it just wasn't looking good. Uh, it was a 4 nothing deficit, and really the, the questions of what if they drop this first game were slowly getting into my head around the middle innings because you just didn't see much going on. Jose Brios, I know his line said four earned runs. I think as much as he gave up a lot of hits, he still had a lot of good moments in his start. So I don't take too much of a you know a criticism from him on that part um, before, of course, they handed it over to the bullpen on that part. So I'm fine with, I guess, the way he pitched. But, of course, again, that seventh inning, um, from pretty much what happened with Danny Jansen, who's been struggling pretty much since he... I guess, came back. He had a really good first couple of weeks. We know he's been on the aisle two different times, and we know since he's come back and played on a consistent basis most recently, he hasn't exactly been hitting the ball well or kind of hitting the ball as we expected. So he was obviously the reason for the three-run home run in the seventh inning, and of course Matt Chapman in the eighth inning tied the game, uh, which was a very exciting moment as well when he singled the left field, and of course Danny Jansen again uh, getting hitting the go-ahead single to win the game. So you had that in game one, and game two, of course, was the return of Marcus Stroman, uh, who had maybe a decent start, I think, and of course the night before he got a nice video tribute, and Kevin Gosman uh, lights out again, of course, through six innings. He had a really good start. He looked a lot more in control in terms of the high strikeouts and not as many hits as we've been seeing, um, I guess, as you know, different points of the season where he's kind of had you know, just a bad start here or there. So that was also a game where my highlight as well was, of course, somebody like Teoscar Hernandez, who was, you know, been the top of topic of uh, criticism, of course, for me in particular, and of course, from a lot of people uh, in terms of is his head in the game? Is he just really hurt? And if he's hurt, he shouldn't be playing. He obviously took a night off uh, to rest that foot as well, um, even more. He came back and he hit that home run as well in the sixth inning. That was a lot more like the Teoscar Hernandez that we saw. And, of course, he was also smiling, which is something that he usually likes to do when things are going well. And that's something, again, that we've been missing. So I thought that was definitely a sigh of relief from that in the sixth inning. And, of course, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as well, homers in the seventh inning. So that was definitely a good game uh, in terms of that. It was an exciting finish again. Kind of the Jays have these innings where, or at least in the series when they won, is that they just had a random inning where, it just randomly started. For example, I know the fifth they got the one run, but in the sixth innings, really when it came together, when they put up the three runs, and um, that was pretty much what happened there. And of course, the third start with Mitch White starting. You know, as much as you may want to give him a pass on his last start against the Angels, uh, his his stuff obviously in this game wasn't as good again. And it just feels like, with all due respect to him, and it's I guess no offense to him in a way, is that whenever he pitches, it just feels like the team loses. And I know that's kind of been a topic of criticism as well and he just hasn't really been as effective I guess as they would have hoped uh, to start things off because this was a game where the offense definitely was hanging in there with the Cubs and every time they got close the Cubs extended the lead and it pretty much it felt like every time it happened the next inning uh, when the Jays got on the board which was definitely frustrating so I've kind of left my main takeaways out till now and I'm going to say them now Uh, And that was certain people from the bullpen as well, as much as I had good takeaways from the offense. I think certain guys, of course, Jimmy Garcia has been good all year. Um, I have two other notables who have been, who just had, I thought, have had a really good series or just a really good last couple weeks. And you have seen how much better they have gotten. And that first guy of uh, is Jordan Romano, of course. And I think it's been kind of a well-known fact too, is that it feels like since the All-Star break, he's been even better 
than what we saw beforehand. And his velocity is also higher. Like, his velocity is a lot better. We know he was throwing 100 a few times. He may have even thrown over 100 one other time. That was one of my takeaways, an 084 ERA in July. And then, of course, translating to August, he had a 154 ERA. Uh, that's really good. He's getting better throughout the rest of the way. And it just you feel a lot more confident than you did at the beginning of the year when you had a lead in the ninth inning, home or away, with Jordan Romano. And another guy I think that deserves a lot of, um, I just I guess, a shout-out or just a notice of how good he's been pitching is Trevor Richards. That's another guy who's really impressed me over the last 30 days, a 146 ERA the last 40 days. And you've seen him kind of slowly getting back to pitching in high-leverage situations. So I thought despite that third game from the bullpen, Game one and game two were really good. And of course, Jordan Romano for me, the biggest highlight, just because he seems to be even better and even more in control than he did prior to the All-Star break. And that's really good news for down the line when you're going to be in these close games, When in tr- just in terms of a confidence level when you got to throw him out there in the ninth inning. Yeah, and even just going back to yesterday's game, the final game of the series, I think Trevor Richards was the standout for me. Like, I know there were some offensive performances that you can pick out as being good and out of the bullpen you know Jimmy Garcia you mentioned it I think he went 1.1 innings yesterday and I think he was perfect um and but but to me the standout like you say is Trevor Richards because Richards pitched 1.1 innings he was perfect I think he had two strikeouts it's not what we're used to seeing from Richards so to see him get back to I guess a little bit of what he was last season and you know, try to use this last month of the season and hopefully into October to prove his worth to this team, to make his position and his usefulness in the bullpen known. Like, that's what you want from him. He's not, bottom line, going to improve much of his end-of-season numbers because this has just been a bad season for him, straight up. Um, But he can help the team down the stretch and change the impression of what he did with this club this season. So yeah, that's something to watch for. And I think it'll be a big part of the Blue Jays moving forward. Although to be honest, the bullpen has been pretty good the past, you know, I don't know, six, 10 games ish. It's been pretty good. So you can't complain too much there. Of course, knock on wood, because anything can change, change on a dime with this team. But it seems like, you know, starting pitching has been iffy. The uh, starting uh, lineup has certainly been iffy, but it seems like the bullpen right now, at least, is one of the consistent things, w- one of the few consistent things with this team. So we'll obviously take that. Um, you talk about Mitch White. We talk about the bullpen. We talk about the rotation. Let's talk about him because obviously he hasn't gotten a lot of help defensively the past two starts. You mentioned the start against Los Angeles. We know there was a Shohei Otani. Easy fly ball turned into a triple because of Teoscar Hernandez. And then, you know, his start kind of unravels from there. He didn't get any any help from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. either at first base. He made some miscues. So just some ugly defense. You can't blame him for that outing, even though he did end up giving up seven earned runs and five innings of work. But you look at today's start, or I guess yesterday's start, August 31st, 4.2 innings, six earned runs. Like, is it too early to make a judgment on him? Like, he's only been here for a couple starts. He hasn't gotten lucky with the defense. Is it too early to say that he's not as good as promised or not as good as the Jays would hope or needs more time to develop because he's still kind of getting his feet wet? I lean towards the side of it's too early to make that judgment. He was really good with Los Angeles, even though he was you know, kind of bouncing between the starting rotation and the bullpen. I think it's too early to make that judgment. I certainly hope he'll be getting back to what he was with LA. I think he will with some solid defense behind him. Um, I don't think, you know, we use a comparison to Ross Stripling. I'm not sure that's totally fair because Ross Stripling is having a great season. I don't think Mitch White has been expected to produce that level of output, um, especially this early in his career, this early with a new team. But um, I hope he gets back. I think he will kind of regress to the mean in a good way, in a positive way, and start pitching a little bit better. But I've seen at least some rumblings, maybe half-jokingly, about, you know, now it's time to put Yusei Kikuchi back in the rotation because Mitch White is struggling. Uh, and I think both of your faces oh, pretty much sum up how we feel about that. Um, no. Like, <laughs> Kikuchi got a long leash and it did not work. It's time to give Mitch White time to 
see if he can figure it out, see if he can make it work. And um, the last thing I'll say is if you do want to, like if the Blue Jays can pick out something with Mitch White that's not working in his rotation whether he's or his delivery, whether he's tipping pitches. I know we've been talking about that a lot with Jose Brios, whether it's a problem with Mitch White or they're just picking up something that's not going right in his delivery. Like the Blue Jays have the ability over the next few days to skip his spot in the rotation because there's the off day today as we discussed this on Thursday. They play six straight games against Pittsburgh and Baltimore, so you can't really skip anyone there, but then they have an off day before they head to Texas and then back home for a five-game set against Tampa Bay. So they have the ability to jig things around a little bit if they want to skip his spot in the rotation and work on anything. So I think that's a possibility. I don't see them doing it right now, especially because I think they like having those extra days of rest, especially in the dog days of summer. I guess now we move into the fall, but I don't see that happening, but I think it's a possibility if if they want to figure Mitch White out. What do you guys think about Mitch White's performance so far too early to make a judgment? And how do you think he is going to perform over the final month of the season? So I think it's a little too early to uh, make any assumptions about him. It is, you know, ideally you want to have a better start to your Blue Jay career, especially against teams that aren't necessarily the greatest. But at the end of the day, this is not, it, it, it could be better, but it's not the end of the world. And I think realistically, we didn't expect him to be the ace of the staff. He's more or less a, you know, reliever, uh, reliever slash long man, uh, back end of the rotation type guy. And I know we're not in the playoffs yet, but he's, he, Yusei Kikuchi, Ross Stripling, those are perfect guys you want on your roster in the playoffs. Like you're not going to go with four. Well, maybe you go with four, but you definitely... I don't know if I would say Kikuchi is a perfect guy I would want on my roster in the okay. playoffs. No, no. What I I'm, think okay, in a perfect yeah. world, he is nowhere near my roster. <laughs> okay, maybe he specifically. What I mean, though, is the the players, like the, the guys that can start or give you four or five innings out of the bullpen are perfect because you have five starters all season, or most likely you do, but you don't need five in a playoff series. Mitch White, I think, even if he struggles a little bit, I mean, if he continues to struggle, then it's, okay, maybe we don't put him on the playoff roster, but he's to me it's almost similar to the the role Francisco Liriano had all those years ago where he was a reliever or he was a starter but then he came out in, in relief in when was the 2016 series back in the wild card game the Texas series I think that's very valuable it's kind of like what Ross Stripling can do except somehow Ross Stripling's putting up like Cy Young level numbers and but it, it's it, basically I'm not worried like it, it could be better but this is a guy that they clearly saw something in and realistically you can be as creative as you want once you get into the playoffs or even you still have to get in, but realistically like the team is good enough or the team's good with him. They can get into the playoffs. They can, you know, do those things. But I think that he's the type of guy that they can work with and they can be creative. Obviously you want to fix the product on the field. If it's not, if it's not as uh, if, if it's not up to standard, but more specifically, the role that he can fill. I think it's it's one that the Blue Jays have a lot of flexibility with, and you go into the playoffs, you go into those situations where you don't necessarily need a, f- a full rotation or a full roster, if you will, but you then can divvy up and and spread the guys out in different types of roles. So it's this is a situation I'm not concerned about it in, in the least. It, you know, I, Ideally, you want him to perform better, but it's not one that it's not one that I'm worried about. And I hate to say this, but where else is he going to go? Like, you're not going to put Kikuchi back there and back in the rotation. He's clearly that unfortunately didn't work. And I, you know, I hate to say that, but he, he has, I guess if, if he was looking for a time to struggle, this would be the time because he has the ability to work through it and he has the time to work through it. But no, I think this, this will be a perfect end of the season for him. And Blue Jays will use him how they see fit as the playoffs come near. Yeah, I'm with both of you. I, I, I'm not too concerned about it as much as I kind of, I guess, was a bit sarcastic, but also true about how when he pitches, they don't win. A lot of that isn't reflected on him truly. So as much as there's been starts where his stuff hasn't been the greatest, it, the defense obviously hasn't been um, helping him at any sort of point either. It's not doing him any favors. And pretty much since coming over, uh, but well before, of course, when he was with the Dodgers, we, we know the numbers he put up. They were pretty good numbers for somebody who was going back and forth, like you guys were mentioning. And the numbers he's put up since coming over here with a 7-plus ERA, it just 
it feels like for a pitcher that from what we've seen from him throughout his first three years of his career, it just doesn't seem like it's sustainable. And of course, even if you look at his fielders independent pitching, uh, it is at three. 56 which shows how much of a difference that truly is of being unlucky pretty much almost half of that uh, or sorry double that is pretty much his ERA at least almost so you see the amount of I guess just pretty much how inflated that truly is because of stuff that could be outside of his hands in terms of defense and in terms of other situations and that is something that the Jays have also committed to by acquiring him I think they're fine with him as much as it obviously not ideal of a start and I'm sure Mitch White would be the first person to tell you that as well um it's something that I think throughout the rest of the month probably will eventually even out I think that's the expectation there and I guess the second point pretty much adds on to what you were saying Jacob is that if you do you know let's just say you take him out of the rotation who else is there to go into the starting rotation in his place other than you say Kikuchi and that is an absolute red flag um I don't think that that's something that is permanent although I will say we are aware of the doubleheaders that are coming up. Uh, we're also aware that it has kind of been hinted by, I think, John Schneider, maybe Pete Walker as well, that there may be rotation tinkering throughout the rest, or at least coming up in the next couple of days, um, in terms of just lining up your starters uh, for better matchups. I talked about it earlier in terms of how crucial those games against the Baltimore Orioles are going to be, and even games like, the, of course, the Tampa Bay Rays, who one of those doubleheaders is against. You have another five-game series with them, and, of course, you also have the New York Yankees one more time, too going to be pretty crucial to see how you line up that rotation uh put pretty much put yourself in a better spot and a guy like mitch white you're going to be put probably put in a better spot for yourself as well which will definitely be ideal for you as well so it's nothing personal to any of those guys but the fact that there's a couple off days coming up where the jays have this opportunity to line people up for a better matchup um i think that's something to know for and i think it's something that we are expecting to happen Probably by some point at next week. I don't think the starters this weekend have been totally confirmed uh, by the Jays unless something has been confirmed by then. I don't think they have been. Uh, they have not been yet. So maybe some sort of change could be happening. And the other thing, too, is, <clears throat> and this contradicts to Yusei Kikuchi, is that the roster's expanded as of today. We know that Blue Jays legend Bradley Zimmer is officially back. We are all excited for that. And the second name kind of caught me a little bit by surprise because. I don't know about you guys, but I just felt like at the time when somebody like Zach Pop got optioned, it felt like he was going to come up here right away. But instead, today, the other pitcher that came up was Casey Lawrence. And that name is a little interesting because we've seen him, of course, back in July when Kevin Gosman had his bad ankle. He was the one that was making starts for Kevin Gosman. So it kind of shows you that with these doubleheaders, perhaps that might be the guy who's starting one of those doubleheaders. And, of course, you're going to need Mitch White in a series like that with the doubleheader. And the point is is that you're going to need an extra starter in one of those games. And it doesn't seem like it's going to be Yusei Kikuchi. Of course, he is an option, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe Kikuchi slides in, and Lawrence kind of fills in for you know what Kikuchi's been doing as a long man for that one game. I don't know, but that was definitely interesting to see uh, Casey Lawrence be that extra guy up. So it just shows you, outside of a guy like Mitch White, there's not a lot of options. It's Yusei Kikuchi and then Casey Lawrence, no matter who you want to rank ahead of who. Those are your next two options. Uh, Mitch White is a lot better of a pitcher than what his numbers have shown, and I think that it's going to eventually balance out the rest of the way, and I also think that the matchup change, or sorry, the rotation change will definitely favor his matchup as well, and that's why I'm not overly concerned. I don't think we should be whatsoever. Yeah, um, I think you can sum up Mitch White's struggles as growing pains, um, at least so far. Like, obviously getting unlucky with the defense, but also just growing pains because he's relatively young. He's with this team until 2028, barring any trades. So, like, he's a guy that is a long-term project with the Jays. And just to bring in what you were talking about with Zach Pop and um, Casey Lawrence getting called up, I think Zach Pop is also kind of a long-term project for this team. I think if I remember correctly, he's under control until 2027. Um, I think that's when he hits free agency. Um, so... I, as much as I think he has the potential to be able to help this team now, like I think he probably is a better pitcher at the major league level than Casey Lawrence. Obviously, different type of pitcher, Zach Pop being kind of that hard thrower, that one inning guy versus Casey Lawrence, who's more of a longer guy out of the bullpen. But point being, I think Zach Pop has a bigger potential to help the major league club right now, but he's more of a long-term project for the Jays. They have time to work on him. They have time to 
get him to a point where he's really maximized in terms of his impact on this team and how much he can help the team. So I think, you know, going back two weeks ago when Zach Pop was optioned, I people were asking me, like, why the hell are the Jays doing this? And my answer was he'll be back up on the major league roster in two weeks. Um, you just have to make space somewhere and why not send him down? But it does surprise me that Casey Lawrence is up instead of Zach Pop. But bottom line, like I said, he's Pop is a long-term project versus Casey Lawrence, I think, has a potential right now to fill the need that the Jays have in terms of a long man who, especially like you say, with the doubleheaders coming up in about a week time, they have a doubleheader against Tampa Bay. And of course that five game set is going to be uh, long. Um, or excuse me, the five game set, just looking at the schedule, I think the schedule I have up on my wall may be outdated before some of this stuff got scheduled. Uh, the Jays have a five-game series against Tampa Bay at some point. I know. They've got two series left against Tampa Bay. It's their first right home stand back. Schedule. Yeah, first home stand Okay, back. okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's the one I was talking about. About a week and a half from now is doubleheader and a five-game series against Tampa Bay. So bottom line, in a week and a half, they're going to need some extra arms out of the bullpen. Casey Lawrence fits that bill more than Zach Pop. Could you bring Zach Pop up now and then swap him out in a little bit? Yeah, sure. I don't know, but... I think when you get to the point of discussing the 28th man on a 28-man roster, like at that point, yes, these decision matters, but it is a little bit of semantics. Like I don't know how much of a difference Zach Pop versus Casey Lawrence actually makes when you're talking about Pop being someone who's going to play a role in the future of this team. They're probably figuring things out in AAA. So um, bottom line, that's that. Bradley Zimmer returning to the team as well. Uh <laughs> I don't know what to think about this. Like, I think it's funny. It's funny. It's 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 funny and and fun to see him back on a team where obviously lots of passionate opinions from every single Jays fan about him. Uh, but like, it, going back to what we've said previously about Zimmer, like when he is doing what the Blue Jays brought him to do, he helps this team when he pinch runs, when he plays as a defensive replacement in the ninth and 10th inning or 11th inning or whenever it is like he helps this team. It's just when he's put into situations where he doesn't, where the, where the Jays don't want him to play, where it's a less than ideal situation where he's basically having to put a bat in his hands is basically long and short of it. That's when this looks bad. Um, but if he's in situations where he is meant to be in, he helps this team. And I mean, as much as we joke about him being terrible offensively, he did go four for 16 in Philadelphia when he was with them. So like maybe there's something there. Maybe he's regressing positively towards the mean. I don't know, but uh, it's fun to see him back. It's a little bit of a meme for sure. It's, I mean, I definitely was a little bit surprised about it. And I don't know, I feel like he was removed from the roster when I was on my trip because I completely forgot about him. Like he came back and I was like, wait, he, he was gone. But anyways, that's just me. But uh, it's I think the the situation that the Blue Jays are in now is realistically he's not going to uh, he's, he's not going to do. I don't think what the team doesn't need him to do. Like you're looking right now, Jackie Bradley Jr., Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Teoscar Hernandez, George Springer, Ray Maltapia, Whit Merrifield, probably not going to play outfield, but can play outfield. Those guys are going to get more playing time than than Bradley. And Kevin Biggio can also play. And outfield. yeah, so. Basically, uh, Bradley Zimmer is going to be a defensive replacement. He's going to run when he when he can. That's that's totally fine, and especially with this whole the the whole extra innings rule where the runner's automatically at second base. You can pinch run for someone, especially if it's in the bottom of your order. And this isn't new. We've seen this since the rule was implemented. But Bradley Zimmer fits that role, and there's absolutely I don't think really any issue with it. I mean, hey, the rosters do get expanded in September for a reason, so it's definitely not the it's not the, the the big signing that people expected it to be, but it's not really anything bad by any means. And like you did say, if you need him to, I mean, I doubt they have him pinch hit, but if you they they need him to 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 play Why an actual Why on earth would you game, do that? I'm just saying, if they Why need him. Why on earth would you pinch hit Bradley Zimmer? <laughs> if, if Who they would need be worse him? on the Jays roster as a hitter than Bradley Zimmer? <laughs> If they need him to hit in a game, go th have three at-bats, maybe. Three at-bats like the rest of the season. It's not the end of the world, is what I'm trying to say. What? I don't think he will. But, well, <laughs> anyways, what I'm saying I, is... I, if, I, yeah, he may get at-bats as like a starter. Like mm -hmm. There may be a situation. That's what I mean. There is no chance in hell that he is pinch-hitting for someone, <laughs> unless there is an injury. Yeah, no, but 
basically like the he this this team is okay with him right now is is what I'm trying to say like he, as long as he fits his role which unfortunately isn't very playing time heavy but as long as he's in that role it's totally fine he'll he'll benefit the team in ways that not not everybody will notice but the diehard fans the people that are really paying attention and the coaching staff they'll definitely see it I think when I saw the <clears throat> sorry the notification, I think I burst it out in laughter from what I remember seeing it. And it just, I don't yeah. know, it feels like he took a two-week vacation in Philly and he's back. Uh, just like that, Jacob, don't even bring up offense with me with him. And I don't think, as much as we barely saw him hit when he was here previously, it's going to be even more difficult, like you said, because of the, obviously the expanded rosters. A lot has to happen for him to probably get off the bench, like you were saying, in that sort of role. However, the odd time, if they need an extra base runner, um, in terms of you know Jackie Bradley Jr., maybe not available. Uh, he Bradley Zimmer could probably be, uh, in terms of pinch running, the next guy up in terms of that because he's also one of the fastest guys on the team. We know that. And he's also an option defensively. So it's depth uh, for the, through the rest of the way. And, um, I mean, there's not really much else to say other than that because I think that's all we're really expecting out of him and I think that's a win uh, for us because of that so just I don't even know if it's for sure he's gonna start a game you never know of course we were talking about the doubleheader and the other thing to mention too is on top of the expanded rosters we can't forget that the doubleheader means you also get an extra person that day as well so that also could be a pathway for a guy like Zach Pop to come back up uh from what we were talking about earlier but it just the rosters are even bigger than it, when Bradley Zimmer was here previously. Jacoby pretty much nailed the depth chart about who's available other than him or ahead of him. A lot has to happen for that, and you'll see him the odd time obviously be a defensive replacement because we know that he is arguably one of the best, if not the best, center fielder on the team. Um, if healthy, of course, we we talked about that at center field as well, and um, or you know just in general, even with the healthy George Springer is what I'm saying. He's a really good option, and that's why there were situations this year where he be a defensive replacement, and George Spring would move over to right field. We've seen that. You might see that again. Him and Jackie Bradley Jr., both of them at the same time. Now you don't have to choose between one of them. The fact that you have the the ability to have both of those guys as an option uh, on the field and on the base pass, it definitely makes you a lot better for that. And it's a great role uh, throughout the rest of the month with them on that one. So you really can't blame them for bringing them back when they had the chance. A part of me wonders, you know, or just the fact that they traded for him as well at the start of the year, as much as they brought in Jackie Bradley Jr., they probably liked him more. I do think in a way they also did, you know, in a way probably didn't exactly want to put a guy like Zimmer on waivers because just because they like him uh, for his role, and that's probably why he's back uh, a couple weeks later. So it's optimistic that you mentioned the 4 for 16 mark. I still don't want to play with fire and, you know, all of a sudden be confident with that. I don't know if it's going to make a difference uh, in terms of maybe getting an extra at bat or two. Probably not. That's fine. He can field, he can run, and I think that's all we're asking from him throughout the rest of the way. And it's a good thing for, or it's a good add to the depth, uh, I think, for the rest of the way. We've just talked about Bradley Zimmer for like <laughs> seven or eight minutes. <laughs> this guy, like, this might be the highest ratio of playing time to the amount of time we spend talking about him on the podcast of any Jays player because <laughs> I, I feel like he just occupies a, a very outsized space in a lot of Jays fans mind for the amount of time he actually plays because like you look at his at-bats he's only had 76 at-bats for the Jays this season and you compare that to other guys who are like starting every day like I don't have the numbers in front of me but I bet you Vladdy is at like 430 or 450 at-bats or someone around there for so for us to be you know that might have been the first time we've mentioned Vladdy on this episode I think I mentioned him when we were talking about defensive miscues in the series against LA but like, <laughs> I don't know. It's outrageous the amount of time we spend talking about him, but it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully he helps the Jays. I think he's will. When you look at the alternatives, like I don't know who if they're looking for an outfield bat, like maybe it's like Nathan Luke's in AAA. Like I don't know, yeah. or was he injured? Spring training know. legend. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a blast from the past. I know people thought he was going to get playing time this season in the majors, and I don't think he. Has really at all. So anyways, you look at the alternatives, it's like they, there aren't a lot of names that jump off the page right now. So, you know, maybe Ricky Tiedman. I've heard a couple people mention his name, but I think it's way too early for that. I don't think – and also then you get into a situation where you're adding – oh, I, actually, I don't think they could add two extra pitchers because I think there's 
the pitcher limit on the yes. roster. Yes, correct. So, never mind. Scratch that. They would have had to choose between Lawrence and Tiedemann. Anyways, point being, there's not that many other names that you could turn to besides Zimmer. So, um, just to wrap this podcast up, we're officially done with August. We can toss that in the rearview mirror because it was not a great month. The first month of the season where the Jays have a losing record, 13 and 14. Um, we talk about the bad stretches, their inability to get hot for a consistent period of time. Um, that's in the rear view mirror. It is officially September. It is officially the pennant race. I know I was in Montreal earlier today. I'm in Ottawa now. You guys are in the Toronto area. It was cold where I was. I assume it was also cold in Toronto. The winds of fall are here and certainly in the pennant race. Um, it's coming down to these final couple series. The Jays have, like we were talking about earlier, I think nine games left against Tampa Bay. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine left against Baltimore. And then they have series as well against Pittsburgh, Texas, um, Philly, and Boston, I think is how it ends up shaking out. Um, they also have a series end, against the Yankees. I think they end in Baltimore, if I'm not big mistaken. Big series yes, with Baltimore at the end, yes. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of really big, important games going on here. What are you guys expecting from the last month of the season? What do you think needs to happen for the Jays? And I guess here's the kicker, the final question. Um, do you think the Blue Jays will be able to clinch a playoff spot before the final three games in Baltimore? Or do you think those final three games in Baltimore are going to be for all the marbles? I'll start with that first, because that's the most in, the most intriguing part here. Oh, man. Um, see, the, the Orioles are not a, a pushover like they used to be, at least not this second half of the season. So it might not even be that the Blue Jays are not playing well enough to clinch early. It might just be the fact that the division or the, the wild card race, or well, even the division too, but everything is just so close that you need to win every single last game and could be. I mean, it'll definitely be a very interesting final week and, and final series of the season. I know last year it was a lot of fun, I think, in in seeing that they needed to sweep and they ended up doing it, but whatever, that year's that year. Um, I don't know. I think, I, I think it's going to be a lot of late clinching, especially in the American league because every team is so close and it's going to be fun. But specifically for the blue Jays, I think the biggest thing is your, your key players need to be your key players. Vladdy needs to, to continue to stay hot. Springer just had what a 12 game hit streak needs to continue to do what he can do. Kirk and Gurriel have sort of cooled off a little bit. Need to get going again. Barrios. I can't believe I'm saying this, but he, he, he really needs to kick it into high gear. I don't. I don't know how. No, I really. Trash he's my been good over the last he, few starts. He's been good, but it's been very shaky, or he's been shaky, or just up and down. I think from start to start. He's on the right he's path. Gonna, I think. Yeah. No, but like what I mean is he's basically the key guys, like the front of your rotation, the players that you expect to carry you, have to carry you, and that's that's it. Like when the Blue Jays are are on their best, when they're playing their best, they're one of the best teams in baseball, and it's. It wouldn't shock me if if they get hot really early or or real hot at the right time where we could be celebrating deep into into the fall. You know what I mean? And but it's gonna take these players to to just continuously stay at the high level that they are. And yes, you need contributions from the bottom of the order, from the back of your rotation. You need your entire team to play well. But the the big players, the ones that you're paying a lot, ones that you're going to pay a lot soon, those guys need to be your best players. I will say this, um, the last time, obviously, other than 2020, no matter what you want to say, how real of a season that was or not, the last time, or I list just one of the memorable moments for us for playoff runs or whatever, is when they clinched in Baltimore uh, in 2015. So that would be a pretty cool way to end it. However, for our own health, I don't know if that'll be a good idea uh, because that would be a pretty darn stressful month. On the other hand, you, there is an opportunity, obviously, to cl potentially clinch at home uh, against the Red Sox. That'd be pretty cool as well to clinch at home. There's a lot of, I guess, factors or different scenarios that can happen for them to just uh, to clinch near the end of the year. Um, so I assume, I don't have the exact magic number in front of me, but I assume it's 
it's got to be mid-30s. It might be a little bit under than that, but I feel like it's around there for a magic number. I'll let you guys maybe try and find it as I talk, but I feel like it's around there. It's nowhere close to being, you know, it's obviously a lot of work to be done is what I'm trying to say for September. And, you know, you talked about it, Mark, below 500 baseball uh, in August. Um, it's just, you know, we know how good they are when they're good in terms of who they can beat. And we also know how low it can be when they're struggling. And unfortunately, we have seen both ends of the spectrum um, throughout the second half of the season quite a lot. Just when you thought you'd get away from, you know, just moving past those cold spells. Unfortunately, you go back into them. And that's been uh, that's been unfortunately the frustrating part of the season. So they have to catch fire. Uh, they have to catch fire at the right time. You hope that the rest of the way they could they could catch fire. Uh, I, t- I said it earlier, they're trailing both the Seattle Mariners they're tr- and the Tampa Bay Rays. They're only up by two games on the Baltimore Orioles. Things can go really good in a one series, but they can also go even worse in another series. So the current magic number is 32 from what you're sa- saying to me, Mark. That's going to take us pretty much at this rate. Of course, it can change, but at this current pace, this could take us to pretty much the end of the year uh, throughout the next 30 days. So... We'll see, um, but in terms of when I expect them to clinch, it's probably going to be one of those last two series. And of course, I'd love it to be earlier again for our own health. But that's pretty much what we need to see out of them: is pretty much people catching fire, people catching fire at the right time, them doing it as a team, doing it, gelling together at the same time. The pitching doing good, the hitting doing good. It's all pretty much the obvious. But in the mat, the truth of the matter is that's what you need uh, to get in this because teams like the Seattle Mariners and the Tampa Bay Rays. They have figured it out. Uh, they have caught fire. They are winning series left, right, and center. They're sweeping a lot of series as the Rays all of a sudden are approaching, you know, still, I guess, a reasonable gap from the Yankees, but they're getting closer slowly and slowly. And of course, the Jays are only two games behind them on that one. So you have an opportunity against both the Orioles, both the Rays in September. You have to take advantage of it. That's really what I want to see. My key factors, I guess, now throughout September is especially in the division, you win those division games against the Rays, against the Orioles, because that could be the deciding factor of both their season and your season. Yeah, you mentioned everyone else having it figured out right now. Um, Right now, or as of last night, the Mariners were 41-19 and in their last 60 games, which was the best record in the American League over the last 60 games. So, yeah, they've got to figure it out, and, you know, we've seen the result of that. They've gone from a team that was trailing the Jays in the wild card to now being up by two games in the wild card over the Jays. So, uh, yeah, Jays got to figure it out, and, like, yeah, like, the this last month could be very stressful, but where there's stress watching baseball, I think there's also a lot of fun. A lot of the times, like, those games that matter are what we watch this sport for. So I'm not complaining if it's entertaining, but of course I would really love the Jays to make the playoffs this year. Um, And yeah, like, you would have to, looking at how narrow the situation is right now, you'd have to go into the final three-game series in Baltimore. You'd have to go in four games up in the wild card race in order to have that series not matter at all. It might matter for, you know, seating within the wild card between Seattle and Toronto, et cetera, et cetera. But for that, for the battle for playoff hopes between Toronto and Baltimore, um, the Jays would have be, have to be up by four in the wild card race for it not to matter. And they're up by one and a half right now. So you're talking about the Jays picking up two and a half games over the course of what? 15, 20 games. So like, it's not far-fetched, but at the rate things are going right now where the teams are playing very similar baseball and they've got a lot of games head-to-head against each other and Baltimore so far this season has had the Jays' number. Like, you add all these factors up and if the Jays aren't hot, that final series in Baltimore is going to be for a lot. It's going to mean a lot in this season. But, of course... We don't have a crystal ball. We're 30 games away from the end of the season. Still lots of stuff to look forward to. And one hell of a month of September coming up. Bottom line, whether the Jays win or lose, whether they make the playoffs or not, whatever happens, it's gonna we're going to be in for a fun ride. That's for sure. Um, we're going to be watching every single game with high hopes and perhaps low hopes at points, depending how things go. But um, three games against Baltimore was what up uh what is up next immediately for the Blue Jays we don't know any of the starters for this series yet as we have discussed on this podcast uh PNC Park is going to be a beautiful venue I know some Jays fans are making the trek down there 
What are your predictions for the three-game series, even though we don't know any of the starters? I could be wrong, but I think I'm just looking at the score right here, and they're listing Manoa. Actually, I think none it of it's confirmed. Half. Yeah, yeah, none well, of it's confirmed. okay, so yeah, you probably I don't know. It's let's just hope they win this series because we talked about the Cubs being under 500, well, quite far under 500. Same thing with the Angels. Uh, Pirates are 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 not a good team to put it lightly. I was trying to do quick, uh, trying to quickly calculate it, but whatever. Basically, they're not a good team. I don't need to go. They're 49 and 81. So. You got to go, you got to take two or three here at the bare minimum. You know what I mean? Like, we're not talking about how all the Blue Jays are struggling two out of, or one out of three, two out of three, whatever. Like, if you truly are a good team, you go and win every single series or most of, if not every series for the rest of the season. And it, and it starts with taking two of three, if not three of three from the, from the, uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates. And then get the Orioles. So even more, you, if you lose two or three or three of three, then it could get really ugly at the end of the week. Was there a prediction in there? I think two of three. Yeah. Two of three okay. is the, as the, as the bare minimum. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, uh, I heard this yeah, is no, what the Jays yeah. should do. Yeah. Sorry. I, I meant to, uh, yeah, yes, it sounds like, you don't, it sounds like you don't even know what to predict there, Jacob. Um, <laughs> I'll be a little bit more, I guess, confident with my answer. Yeah. This is, in, I think, First time this year we are this six years prediction we have no idea for either side so this is basically what we're ex- are just pretty much kind of going in blind in a way the last time I said this it went the other way but it's time for me to get my redemption I'm gonna call a sweep this weekend in Pittsburgh wow incredible um yeah I could see that happening I oh geez this is a tough one because I'm not confident where the Jays are right now like it's we talked about it on this podcast over the last hour. Like they, in some respects, look really good. In some respects, I think they're back on the horse. In other respects, I don't think they did enough against Chicago. And I don't know. It's a weird situation to be in if you're the Blue Jays. But yeah, sure. What the hell, Bryce? And I'll join you. I'll predict a sweep. And uh, hopefully we don't have a repeat of that Los Angeles series because that would not <laughs> be pretty, certainly. Um Okay, we will wait and see who the starters are. We're looking forward to the beautiful backdrop of the skyline at Pittsburgh in PNC Park. As always, you can support our podcast by going to patreon.com slash section138pod. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen. just helps spread the word about what we're doing. And then, um, you know, we mention this sometimes, don't mention it all the time, but you can check out our YouTube as well, just go subscribe to the account. You get notified every time a video is posted. You'll never miss anything we're doing. And you can make sure that you're watching all of our reactions to the stupid things each other say. And then, of course, to not miss any of our content, you can also just check out our social media at Section138Pod. That's on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Three games in Pittsburgh, three games at PNC Park. We'll catch you after this series. How does it sound, you and I?